0: This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly.
1: Here we go. It's the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. It's a Monday. We're going to start a new week here on a good note, football wise as the Saints defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yesterday and uh, keep themselves uh, alive and relevant here with three games to go. Nice job, guys. No doubt about that. We'll talk about the Saints' win over Tampa Bay with our own John DeShazer, who is in Studio B. My name is Sean Kelly. Greetings from my hotel room in Portland, Oregon, where the uh, Pelicans will resume their West Coast road trip tonight against the Trailblazers. This is a place that they have lost nine straight but are hoping to uh, get on track here after losing Game 1 of the road trip against Chicago on a Saturday night. So, with that being said, Mr. DeShazer, nice job this weekend. Good road trip for you.
2: Yeah, I kind of brought him on home, didn't I? Um, <laughs> yeah, good good road trip for the Saints uh, with an opportunity to having lost four in a row and really a, a team with his back against the wall and I think Tim Hightower said it best. He said he's been on some teams where guys have packed it in in those situations and said, hey, my, my game checks still cash and so I'm good to go and I don't want to get hurt going into the offseason, but you know, these guys kept saying and kept saying and kept repeating they have the right kind of people in the locker room and they have the right kind of people on this roster and, and uh, they have high character guys. And I think some of that showed up, uh, especially yesterday, after a tough home loss last week against Carolina, 41 to 38 uh, in a game where they felt like they played Carolina toe to toe and felt like they should have won that game and had some calls not go their way uh, in terms of 12 men being on the field for Carolina. I think three separate occasions. And then they were able to kind of pick up the pieces and go to Tampa, and play relatively clean, all things considered. Didn't commit a turnover, uh, committed some penalties, obviously, and some defensive ones that they certainly will want to have back. But but for the most part, uh, against the Tampa Bay team that had won three out of four and had every reason to give everything they had in that game, because Tampa Bay still had some probably harboring playoff hopes, and still and still is, but uh, more so yesterday when they were six and six and. Had a chance to get to seven and six, and the Saints were able to break a four-game losing streak and do it the hard way on the road.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. We're going to break down that game, uh, kind of almost face by face here, coming up in our next segment. I will say this, John: um, you uh, all last week, myself included. You know, we heard Drew Brees talk about that. You know, this is a pride thing. This is our mark on the season and our future going forward, and uh, we have a job to do. It, it, you know, sometimes you hear those messages and you're like, man, I hope, I hope somebody. Hope somebody has that sink in. It it seemed to. That that's that's when I watched the game yesterday. That's the that's the overwhelming feeling I got was that um, we're grown men with a job to do, and uh, we're going to be pros, pros, and and put forth a winning effort. And and, and so we're going to talk about all the the nuts and bolts of it, but. To me, John, that's the overriding feeling that I had, that they had that message last week and took it to heart and turned it into the game.
2: Well, I mean, I think you hit it. I think you hit that on the head. You you hear a lot of guys say the right thing, and everybody knows the right thing to actually say. But to actually pick yourself up and do it, again, you know, you have to give some credit to these guys because, you know, we don't know the playoff situation. The Saints' hopes are pretty much, you know, really razor thin right now. So here's a chance for guys to say, okay, again, you know, I, I don't necessarily need to put forth quite as much effort. I don't need to work as hard. I don't need to study as much tape. I don't need to, you know, go as hard in practice. I don't need to come back from injury as quickly. And yet, you know, these guys are professionals and say, okay, this is my livelihood. livelihood it means something to me. It means something to fight uh, for these guys who I'm playing with. And I enjoy uh, fighting with, with these guys and side-by-side side with them. And, and it showed on the field. I mean, Again, that's two straight games where the Saints have played pretty good. I mean, you know, you like to package them up and say, you know, if it had been this way the entire season. But a lot of it goes into, you know, not turning the ball over and playing fairly cleanly and, and uh, you know, getting some three and outs defensively yesterday, you know, for, for a good stretch of that game. I mean, they really had a nice defensive game plan and executed it extremely well against Tampa Bay. So you like to see these guys be professionals and be accountable uh, you know, not to the public and not to, you know, fans, but to each other. And I mean, that means a lot more when they, when these guys are accountable to one another, more so than to, to, to outside people, because that's the guy you have to look in the face. And he knows when the, when they put that tape on, he knows whether or not you gave a professional effort, whether you laid it all on the line or whether you kind of dogged it a little bit. Nobody knows better than those guys in that locker room when they put that film on. And I think they'll be pleased mostly with the film that they put up yesterday.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And by the way, on my end, on the basketball side, I know the Pelicans lost, uh, John, to the Bulls on Saturday night, but as far as putting together a, a workmanlike effort and competing for 48 minutes, the Pelicans did do that. They lost the game because there were a couple of breakdowns in the fourth quarter, uh, but for the most part, I thought that they took a step, even in a loss, and now you're sitting at 6-17. and 17. I mean, none of that's fun, um, but perhaps uh, maybe it was a good weekend overall as far as the two teams um, representing as best they could. Uh, and, and you know what and I'll take that.
2: Yeah, you know what we saw that from the Pels when they lost to Oklahoma City. You know, they put the effort they put together at Oklahoma City, they came back home with it and they were able to beat, I think it was Cleveland or you know, some some other teams. And, you know, we've seen what the Pels can do when they put that forty eight minutes of effort together. You know, they're not gonna be perfect. Who is? But if you go out there and play hard enough, you'll you'll definitely give yourself a chance in the end. That's what we didn't see against the in in the Boston game. That one eleven the ninety three game here in the in the Smoothie King Center was not anything that they want to put on film. It was pretty much an embarrassment. and You had players saying, look, we didn't, we didn't give you know, the right kind of effort in that game. You hate to hear a player ever say anything like that. But when you see it like that in Chicago, even if you lose, and like you said, obviously you don't want to lose, but you can kind of live with that because you feel like, you know, if you give that consistent effort, you get your share of wins.
1: Well, I look at this, the rest of this road trip like this, J.D., and I know I started off the show by saying that, the Pelicans have lost nine straight here at Portland I, you know I know we talk about those kind of storylines but they don't matter a whole lot you know for the guys when it comes to the the, the moments if you will so tonight against a 10 and fifteen Portland team uh, you get a chance to to even yourself on the road trip and then the remaining three games after that are all against sub 500 teams as well look I know the pelicans John are six and seventeen and, and other teams are looking at them the same way but if you can turn around your road situation and come home uh, at the end of the weekend, this coming weekend, uh, you, may, you may have a pivotal moment in the season right here. And, and so I, I think it's a pretty big week here for the, for the basketball side.
2: Yeah, Here's an opportunity to, to really spin this thing, man. I mean, the Pels are going to have to have some three out of four stretches, some five out of seven stretches, some you know, 10 out of 13 stretches to where they can get their record back to level and start at least thinking you know, considering, you know, a playoff position. Right now, you know, they they feel like they have most of the parts back. And so now it's a a matter of hopefully everybody getting a little bit more acclimated to one another and getting a little bit more acclimated to the system. And, you know, some guys have to get in, you know, great game shape. Some guys have to kind of get themselves, you know, into a little bit of a rhythm, you know, whether it's Norris Cole with that shot or or Tyreek Evans getting his legs under him. So you feel like at some point, you know, they're all going to mesh together. Hopefully if they can all stay healthy, knock wood. And, you know, they'll all mesh, t- mesh together. You can really see what they're made out of. But, you know, they're going to have to put together some of those little, you know, four games out of five pops to where they can get back to level.
1: So, overall, I think that you and I agree that it was a positive weekend with some mixed results. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah,
2: yeah. I okay. mean, you know, as long as you put forth the effort, you can all – you don't want to say you'll be satisfied with the result, but you can live with the result. If you play as hard as you can, man, and you don't win, you'll just say, well, you know what, the other guy was better than me that night. He was better than me that day. but when you don't put together the kind of effort that you're proud of or the, or the kind that you're satisfied with, those are the games that should eat you to death and I don't think either team you know, has been eaten by you know by what they put together in terms of effort over the weekend.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. So uh, more on the Saints uh, uh, game against the Buccaneers coming up here in just a little bit with John and then we'll talk more basketball. We'll do so with Bill Winnington uh, from the NBA Chicago Bulls. Uh, Winnington is the radio analyst for the Chicago Bulls radio network, but maybe more importantly for our conversation today, he was a member of the 95, 96 Bulls team, John, that won 72 games. And, uh, while we talk about a couple of different things, the, the bulk of our conversation is going to be about, uh, that Bulls team that won 72 and what he sees here in this Golden State team. That's now 24 and one. How about the Warriors losing to the Bucks? And how about the fact that out of all these road trips uh, in all these seasons in the NBA, no one has ever swept a seven-game road trip as they failed to do so in Milwaukee on Saturday night.
2: Well, you know what? That says something about playing on the road in the NBA, number one. And two, you know, you get on a road trip that long, man, usually, you know, Golden State was in a, in a, in a really good situation, and I say a good situation from the standpoint of they had something they were fighting for. They had something they were playing for. Um, the, you know, they're trying to stay undefeated. They're trying to equal the, the NBA's longest win streak. And so they had their attention focused, even though they might have been a little shorthanded, you know, still no Harrison Barnes and maybe Klay Thompson is a little bit hobbled. I'm not exactly sure. And they had played a double overtime game against Boston. So you know, they probably weren't in the best, best shape physically for that game, but they had something to play for. You're talking about a seven-game road trip, and we've been on you know, one or two of those with the Pelicans. Look, man, by the time you get around to game five, your mind starts to wander a little bit. You start thinking about home. And if you're players and you're not playing for an undefeated record or if you're not playing for a division title or something like that, it's going to be just about impossible to sweep a seven-game road trip because your concentration just isn't there all the time. You know, there's going to be a night where you don't make shots. There's going to be a night where you just don't defend. You know, there's going to be a night where, you know, the other team makes, you know, 10 out of 23s or something like that. And I mean, so many things can happen when you're on the road. So for them to have won the first six and to put themselves in position to win that seventh was pretty amazing
1: no doubt and so bill Winnington will gain uh, give us some perspective on that front as well uh coming up and uh, i think that uh, john wants to share his visit with uh, tim hightower before we get out of here on this monday and uh, i think that's worthwhile to pass along one more thing john uh, before we take our first time out and then really do a deep dive into the saints win uh, there's a place here in portland called voodoo donuts and uh you know obviously because of the name itself and, and how that might ring true with some in our New Orleans area, I had to stop by last night, right? Of course. Yes. So sitting here in front of me, I have two donuts uh, to, uh, to share, I guess, over the, uh, the electronic waves here with you. Uh, one is a glazed donut with chocolate icing sprinkled with Rice Krispies and drizzled with peanut butter.
2: Okay. That's
1: interesting. And the other one is another glazed donut with uh, vanilla icing, and then crushed Oreos all in the icing with drizzled peanut butter on it.
2: I'm with the second. Anything that's got Oreos, that's like, you know, Oreos is like bacon. You know, if you put Oreos on anything, you know, I can eat it. So that's, that's my bacon. I'm, I'm surprised they don't have a
1: donut with bacon on it, too. If I wasn't going to be home for another week, I'd bring them to you. <laughs> but by the time I get there, we could play hockey with them probably. Well, look,
2: you know, if I'm you, I eat them. And I tell the world how they taste because uh, they certainly sound
1: pretty good. Yeah, decadent to say the least. That's yeah. for sure. I'll decide by the end of the show whether or not I do this to myself. I well, think you know the answer. Well, of course you do. But you
2: got a game to call tonight. Now you got to remember that.
1: That's true. But the earlier you,
2: the earlier you do that, you know, the, you know, the more time you have in case you know things start to act up.
1: This is true. And I'm two hours behind you, so I have some I have some cushion here. We better take a break. Let's take a break and when we come back. John DeShazer continues with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll talk more in depth about the Saints win over the Buccaneers 24 to 17 yesterday afternoon. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting.
3: A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people. Entergy.
0: The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling, trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. And don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center, Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Sean Kelly with you here from Portland, Oregon this morning. John DeShazer is at the Saints headquarters in Metairie. Saints score yesterday, scored enough to win, and so the Domino's special is even more sweet on this Monday. Don't forget, with the Saints score, you score at Domino's. So here all day today, Domino's giving 50% off of all large pizzas at menu price Today, all you have to do is enter the promo code SAINTS at dominoes.com, offer valid online only, and at select Domino's locations. This great offer brought to you again by our good friends at Dominoes. All right, John DeShazer, I read some stuff this morning uh, that said this was the most complete game the Saints have put together this season. Uh, is uh, Is that going a little overboard, or would you agree with that statement and why?
2: I don't necessarily know that I I agree with that one. And I'm trying to think of uh, the previous game where I thought they played, you know, their most complete game, to be honest with you. I I had it in mind earlier and now it escapes me. But I I don't necessarily know that it was this one. Um, I think uh, considering the circumstances, you know, the four-game losing streak and the ability to – and the willingness or unwillingness to fold, I think that that made it seem a little bit bigger than, than, than maybe it was in terms of being their most complete game. Because certainly, uh, I think there's going to be a, a lot of areas where they're going to, you know, quote unquote, want to clean up. But I mean, in terms of inspiring wins, you know, and what was at stake, and, and again, an opportunity to fold and say, you know what, we're done with this season. Uh, we're not going anywhere. Let's, you know, let's stay healthy. Let's get out of this, you know, as unscathed that we as unscathed as we can. I think uh, I think that was a good sign for them to go to Tampa and and win a game that they that they really kind of need it for their psyche. No doubt.
1: Hey, let's do some bullet points here in each of the three phases, shall we? Um, let's start with the offense. Give me your bullet points, key bullet points from yesterday's win on the offensive side of the football, John. Uh, the
2: biggest number, 12 to 17, and that's what the Saints were on third down, uh, 71%. And if, they, if you can convert on, at that higher rate, you're gonna keep your offense on the field, which they did, they had control the football for 37 minutes, 14 seconds of that game. And so that put the Saints in some situations where they kept Tampa's defense on the field. They kept their offense on the field. They kept their defense off the field, which made them fresher, uh, considering the circumstances. And they converted three out of four times in the red zone touchdowns, three for three with goal-to-go efficiency in terms of touchdowns. So, you know, I think the third down, you know, they were in manageable situations, a lot of, you know, third and threes, third and fours, third and twos, third and fives, third and sixes manageable as opposed to the third and nine and third and 10 and third and 12 that they were in, you know, those situations they were in a couple of weeks ago in Houston when they couldn't get any, anything going offensively. Yesterday they were able to stay out of that situation and get into some manageable situations, convert, stay on the field, and it really, I think, took a toll on Tampa Bay. I mean, in the closeout, in the closeout uh, series of the game, to finish out the Saints control the football for the last four minutes 13 seconds of the game, and they converted three third downs on that drive. And that shows you, you know, the kind of efficiency they were having yesterday and the kind of success they were having. I mean, by no means were, were they all easy. In fact, that last drive they turned to, to Tim H- to Hightower pretty much and, and ground out a couple of those first downs. I think it was, I think the last one was third and three, and he ran for four to pretty much seal the deal. But, you know, when, when you can convert at that rate on third down, you're going to give yourself a really good chance of winning anywhere, not just on the road, but anywhere.
1: No doubt about that. Um, the impact uh, that Tim Hightower had yesterday, we're going to talk more about this in segment four on our show today, but, um, you know, when Mark Ingram went down, uh, there was going to be obviously that whole next man up thing. And and here Tim Hightower had spent training camp with the Saints. He comes back after the four years. I, I, an emotional crossing of the goal line for him yesterday, John, and, and, and a great story for a guy that, that you and I have enjoyed his company here since he's joined this football team.
2: You know, uh, you and I are fortunate because, you know, sometimes – you know, people, people hear about athletes and sometimes you just don't get a chance to meet a guy, get a, get a chance to get a feel for a guy. So we're fortunate that we get the chance to kind of get a glimpse at some of these guys and see what kind of character people they are, what kind of good people they are. Tim Hightower is one of the best people – I would say that we've met, you know, I throw him up there with the Ryan Anderson's of the world and folks, if you hadn't met Ryan Anderson, you need to, he's a great person. You know, I throw him in that kind of category. And for a guy to have not played since 2011, to have had the knee injury he had that wasn't just season ending in 2011, but it looked like it might be career ending and and was out of the game for three years and comes back and, and latches on with the saints and then gets his heart broken. You know, he's the final cut. You know, basically it's a numbers game where the Saints need some linebackers and he's a running back and so he gets cut and then they bring him back for a a week and then cut him again and then it doesn't look like he's going to be back and Kyrie Robinson goes on injury reserve and he's able to make it back and then he's just kind of persevering and playing a little special teams and played some mop up against the Redskins in that blowout game and and then Ingram goes down and now he becomes your bell cow guy essentially and uh, has not played that role again since 2011. Uh, so to to go out there, it was really inspiring to see him out there playing and his teammates, you know, all over him. I mean, you couldn't be, you couldn't see a team more happy for a guy because I think all of them know his story. They know what he's been through. They see the way he works and prepares. And yesterday he was like, you know, hey, I, I had no idea, you know, what it was going to be like. I just wanted to make sure my body was ready. Well, you hadn't played in, in, in essentially since, basically since 2011. So to 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 be able to, to get his body ready and to, to be in that position. And it's a situation where the Saints take the lead. They want to run the clock out, and you've got to do it with a guy who hadn't been in this position in a long, long time, man. So, you know, hats off to him. I mean, a great story. And, um, you know, he was just a guy who, who was extremely emotional after the game, as, as well he should have been because, you know, who knows? I know he was pretty confident that he'd get back, but after you've been out for such a long time, you know, I, I, I got to believe some doubt creeps in. I got to believe that you kind of feel like, is this ever going to happen again for me? And it happened for him yesterday. That He might not get another game like that the rest of his NFL career. I don't know. But you know what? Yesterday was his day in the sun. And, and really, really, you like to see the sun shine on guys like that.
1: No doubt about it. Willie Sneed had a big day yesterday. Uh, some very catches as a representative of the younger group. And then to finish our, our conversation on the old guys, if you don't mind, John, and I don't mean this in any slight, but when you look at what Benjamin Watson's been doing this season and, and his contributions yesterday. And then to see Drew Brees absolutely tear apart Tampa Bay's uh, defense and set himself amongst uh, an elite group with regard to touchdown passes, um, and no doubt that in, in kind of a uh, back-to-the-wall, question-mark uh, type situation yesterday, Drew Brees and Benjamin Watson joined Tim Hightower and the veterans kind of lead that way on the offensive side of the football.
2: Yeah, Drew uh, now f- lone plays fourth fourth place all by himself, passing Dan Marino. And anytime you pass Dan, Dan Marino doing anything as a quarterback, you've had a pretty good career. And, uh, and we know that Drew has, you know, much more football left in him. But to pass uh, Dan Marino now with 421 touchdowns, uh, that says it all. And he was pretty humbled by it, uh, actually. And, and Benjamin Watson, another seven catches for 70 yards. And the most impressive play he makes is not a reception. Uh, he comes out for a pass, and, uh, and I don't want to say Drew hangs him out, but, you know, they don't see the defender in front of him, and the guy essentially just decleats Ben. And Ben beats the guy to his, to his feet. Ben's the first guy up, and he's kind of looking at him like, you've got to come with more than that. And a guy his age, uh, with his experience, but, again, that speaks to the phenomenal shape that he's in and his ability to still get it done. There's no telling what he would have been, you know, if he had been the quote-unquote pass-catching touch, uh, tight end that these other guys have been allowed to be for the last, you know, seven, eight, nine years. Man, Benjamin Watson's career could have been a whole different story, but, you know, he's been so versatile in his, in, in his career as a, as a multifaceted guy who can block and can catch. And so he just kind of morphed into a, a blocker uh, once he got here. But, you know, we see that now that Jimmy Graham is gone, we see the kind of production that Benjamin Watson is capable of and, and to see that man. Again, another great great guy, uh, you see that and it's like, you know what? you like to see good things happen to good people again and, uh, and, and Willie Sneed who missed last week's game and then he's able to come back and put up a hundred yard game. Uh, again, another another great story, a kid who's undrafted and he, you know he's on Tampa Bay's practice squad and you know the Saints pluck him off that practice squad and they put him on their practice squad and You know, we come into this season and there's no way you can tell me anybody sees Willie Snead making this team, you know, this way back in March or April. And he just works and he catches everything you throw to him. And he steps on the field yesterday. And I think the first catch he makes is like a 41 yarder. And and he really takes some of the pressure off Brandon Cooks. So, again, you know, you, you love to see you keep hearing these guys saying, you know, we got the right kind of guys in the locker room. Those are three or four of the right kinds of guys in the locker room. Tim Hightower and Drew Brees and Benjamin Watson and Willie Snead. And I think you see it in the result from yesterday.
1: Without a doubt, points well taken. Uh, Quickly, here's some defensive bullet points. John, anything you want to point out before we move forward?
2: Well, we go back to the third down situation. Saints uh, prevent Tampa Bay. They hold Tampa Bay to 4 of 11 on third down, uh, which is huge. They get off the field Defensively, and they don't create a turnover, but they're able to get off the field defensively, and they don't let Tampa Bay run rampant on them. Tampa Bay came in averaging 140-plus rushing yards per game. The Saints hold them to 115. Now, that doesn't seem like great progress, but that is huge for a team that was allowing 130-plus yards rushing per game, and they hold them to 17 points, which is two full touchdowns less than the Saints were allowing per game. They were allowing 31 points a game. They held Tampa Bay to 17 you know again you go on the road and there are certain things that have to be done you got to be able to defend on third down you got to be able to stop the run somewhat you've got to be able to keep another team from scoring you know we've all you know the yards and all that stuff are are really really nice stats but the only stat that matters is what's up there on the scoreboard can you hold them down in terms of scoring well the saints were able to do that yesterday and then by, by virtue of being able to get off the field, they keep giving the offense opportunities. They gave the offense a short field a couple of times, and the offense is able to control the football. They, Tampa Bay only had the football for 22 minutes, 46 seconds. That's not a lot of time. <laughs> not a lot of time to get anything done or get into a rhythm offensively. So, you know, love to see what the, the, the Saints were able to do defensively. And welcome back Donnell Ellerby. Donnell Ellerby has started uh, four games this season. In three of those games, the Saints have played their best defensive games, I think, this season at Indianapolis, home against Atlanta, and now at Tampa Bay. Uh, and he led the team in tackles yesterday with six, I believe. So, again, he's, he's every time Danielle Ellerby plays, he shows up. He shows up on film. He shows up in the stat book. He shows up on the field. He's just a guy who is extremely athletic, and he's versatile, versatile enough to be able to do everything they need him to do. If he can stay healthy, and that's a big gift because he's had some injuries this year. But if he can stay healthy, man, this can be, you know, we see some flashes from this defense. We see some youth, we see some talent, and we see some flashes from this defense. The only thing that upsets you with the defense is on that first Tampa Bay touchdown, it's basically gift wrapped. You got Kyle Wilson with a couple of personal foul penalties uh, or, uh, an unnecessary roughness and a blow to the head. You got Brandon Browner with a defensive holding. That accounted for 35 of the 80 yards on that touchdown drive. And you don't like to see that from this defense or any defense. And that's been one of the things that has, you know, been a bugaboo for this defense this entire season. You know, you've got to play a lot more clean than that. But other than that, there were a lot of things to like defensively yesterday and especially that third down, though. No doubt about it.
1: Uh, John DeShazio with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Saints win yesterday over the Buccaneers. Up next, Monday Night Football against the Detroit Lions. We'll touch on that in a little bit. And we'll continue with John at the end of our show as we'll uh, spend a little more time with Tim Hightower here on this Monday. After our quick break, when we come back, Bill Winnington, member of the 72-inch Chicago Bulls team of the mid-90s, joins us we'll talk some hoops as we continue on this Monday.
0: Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans on Saturday, December 26th at 6 p.m. When the division rival Houston Rockets come to town. The first 12,000 fans receive a free Pelicans t-shirt, courtesy of Morris Bart. Pelicans' best pregame block party tips off the run at 4.30 with live music by five-finger discount. Inflatable games for the kids and a whole bunch more. See an all-star battle with Anthony Davis taking on James Harden and Dwight Howard. Tickets are limited. Visit pelicans.com to get your seats today.
3: Fall is here, which means there's a new purpose to get excited about at Smoothie King. It's time to bundle up against the weather outside and give your immune system a little extra support on the inside. At Smoothie King, we're blending our new immune builder smoothies to help you stay strong all season long. Fortify your body with more than 2,000% of your daily vitamin C and all natural immune supporters like vitamins A and E, zinc, and selenium. Try a mixed berry or orange immune builder smoothie today. Only at Smoothie King, smoothies with a purpose.
0: Pelicans.com and Saints.com. Your first stop when following your teams.
1: Well, Bill Winnington and the Chicago Bulls are kind of doing what the Pelicans are doing this season. That's learning about a new head coach. Fred Hoiberg has now been in the position for a little while. Bill,
4: how's it been going so far? Uh, Sean, you know, you you, you bring up the new head coach and you're dealing with injuries and trying to, you know, implementing a new system, uh, putting in... uh, with players that are in and out of the rotation because they're injured, you're not going to get any sympathy from us here in Chicago over the past four years that we've had with injuries. And but you're right, we are we do have a new coach. He's got a new system in. And you know, basketball players are creatures of habit, and they they start their habits whenever, however they develop their habits. And for the past five years, this has been a slow team, defensive orientated team, walk the ball up the floor. Uh, really deliberate with their offense, make teams play 23 seconds of, of defense and then uh, get a shot up. Well, Fred Hoiberg wants to have a faster pace game, and the talk in the first uh, preseason game with the uh, 34 three-point shots that go up, or 38, whatever number it was, was everyone was talking about how great this is, And the guys just can't quite get it to be a habit yet. There's spurts when it looks good. The ball's moving. Uh, bodies are moving around. Their spacing on the floor is good but a lot of times if you watch us you see you know are pushing the ball up the floor now is a jog not a sprint but it which is better still than a walk but it's not the sprint that you actually you really need to get the defense the defense back on his heels and to sp- space the floor and our spacing it's not they're not comfortable yet 100% so it's not habits but there are spurts where it looks really good but then there are times where the offense just really struggles
1: it seems this sounds very very familiar uh, yeah uh, in Fred's case, the, the adjustment from being a college head coach to an NBA head coach, I mean, you you may be the best person to ask about this. Um, is he making that transition? Is there a connection already with his players in that sense?
4: Yeah, I, I believe there is, and, and I think the guys understand what he wants, and it's just a matter now of, of him backing up his words every day and being consistent with his message because NBA players uh, – they want to be coached, but they and and most of them do want to be pushed. But there are some that don't want to be pushed anymore. So there's that balance. It's not the college players. You can push everybody, and, and they gotta like it. The NBA guys are some guys that you gotta coddle a little bit more now. So he's learning that and learning how to delve, dive into that and make sure that he's pushing the right guys and giving enough some guys some space to kind of grow and develop. But his communication has been great, and the message has been consistent. And it just, it's just going to take a little bit of time. This tonight ends about a, a
1: stretch of four or five games against the Eastern Conference for the Pelicans. Um, I'm noticing a bit of a different Eastern Conference this year, Bill.
4: Well, a, lot, a lot of teams have stepped up or playing a lot better, the t- especially the teams at the top. You know, If you're talking about Philadelphia, they're pretty much the same, and they're going through what they're going through. But uh, Atlanta's the same as they were last year. Miami's so much better than they were last year. Cleveland's Cleveland with LeBron James. They're going to do well. The Bulls have... Been fairly consistent, not quite as good as last year, but uh, good enough. Toronto's playing a lot better. Washington is in a little bit of disarray right now, so they're not quite as good. And Milwaukee's not playing well. But for the most part, the teams at the top are really playing well and it, it, competing hard. There's uh, Between the, the eighth seed and the second seed is a game, a game and a half. So there's not a whole lot of difference there. Um, Bill Winnington was a member
1: of the 95-96 Chicago Bulls and won 72 games. He's probably been asked this about a dozen times, if not more, already. But what's it like for you, after having gone through that special season
4: here in Chicago, to watch what Golden State's doing to start this season now? You know what? I I don't care if you're an NBA fan or not. It's must-watch TV right now because it's history in the making. Whether they do it or not, it is fun to watch. And I found myself glued to the TV last night watching their game against the Boston Celtics and, and just... You know, do I want them to break the record? No, I don't. Do I think they can? I think it's very possible. Uh, they're playing really well right now in the system they play in. It's just fun fun basketball to watch. But uh, really, if you uh, come back to me when they're 41-3 and three or, or have at least played 44 games, then the second half of the season is so much harder. We're talking about two different eras of basketball. I fully understand that. But
1: what can you say to them from your own experience of going through a season like that where – you're getting everybody's A game every night. Um, there's that pressure to maybe keep a certain streak alive. What would you say to them if you had the chance, if, if maybe you already have?
4: Well, it's, it's to them, you you got to play every night. And you, you're going to find as you get deeper into the streak and, and, and the record looks closer and closer, there are so many more distractions, and you're going to have to find ways to relax and come down from that high because it is exciting. I mean, you, you, you do start to think the closer you get to it, you start to think about it more and more. But the task at hand is to win a basketball game. The, re- the record really doesn't mean anything. And if you go back and remember the, the 95, 96 Bulls, 72 and 10, it don't mean a thing without the ring. And, and that was our mantra uh, through the last part of the season and all the way through the playoffs. It's, you know, it's not about those records. It's about winning a championship. And, and right now, Golden State is playing that way. They, they are focused on what the prize really is. And and anything that comes along with that is, is going to be a bonus and makes it better because it, it honestly it doesn't mean as much if you don't win. You know, records are records, but when you throw a championship and then you have that record, it means so much more. And, and right now, they're, they're playing unbelievable. I mean, 23 0 is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they have an opportunity tonight to, to be the first NBA basketball team to go on a, a seven game road trip and, and go 7 and 0. Uh, that, that's unbelievable. It's phenomenal what they're doing. And I can't believe you guys didn't do that. That was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, it's, uh, we actually only had a, our longest winning streak that whole year was uh, 18. So we only won 18 games in a row that year. So what they've done already is just absolutely phenomenal. And, and uh, obviously, Steve Kerr was there. He's part of that. And, and these guys are really have responded well to his message and are playing well in that system. And it, it's it's perfect.
1: Bill, they seem to be having a lot of fun. And again, there's
4: a long way to go the year that you guys won 72 was it fun throughout or did it stop being fun at some point it it was fun throughout and it it was it it was a thing where really on on that team everybody enjoyed everybody's company and everybody had a role and a purpose on the team from from one to 14 every guy was there and and everyone knew it and accepted their role hey did I want to start did I want to play more minutes than Luke Longley absolutely but I understood exactly what I had to do on that floor when I was out there and fulfill my role and there were there were games out uh, there. I had 18 points, and Phil took me out and said, "All right, you know, your your run is over, and said, let's give someone else a chance." And I'm like, "I want to play more." I mean, it's like, "Coach is still the it's there's still another whole quarter." I'm the bench guy. Let me play. And it's like, it's just time, and, and and that's what it was. Did
1: that acceptance of roles come because the team was having success, or did you all go into the season with that mindset? And the reason I bring that up is I'm looking at New Orleans a little bit, where. There seem to be some chemistry issues and whatnot, and part of me says that'll work itself out if they get some
4: success. But then again, you can't have the success without – you get where I'm going with this? I get where you're going, and and it's good, and you're absolutely right. The success helps. But what happens is, and it used to be – and I think it's so much harder today to find everybody's role in the pecking order. Uh, Phil Jackson used to equate it to a totem pole. There's a top head, and everybody falls in underneath all the way down to the last guy on the bottom. And that last guy is just important because he's your foundation. The problem is, when you have guys that are injured, you don't really get a full feel of how everyone's supposed to be playing and how everyone does it. And also, training camp is so much shorter and less practices, it's harder to get that pecking order in training camp now. So now you're doing it through the season, you're trying to find it, and there's limited practices. And it's in basketball, it's a natural thing. And, and Luke Konoseko said something that was smart. He goes, if you ever want to find out who the best players are on a team, bring everybody in the gym, put a ball on the floor and let them pick their own teams and and, and and make the game worth something because guys don't want to lose. So they'll pick the best players. And if you're a coach, you, you can do that and you get things right away. Who's going to. now? You know, you coach and your system can change things up a little bit, but players know who the best players are. You just got to let them figure it out. It's a good thought to end on right there, I think. I wish we were in the Eastern Conference so I could see you more than twice a year. Uh, John, I would love to see you more often. It's always fun. And uh, I wish you the best of luck every night except for tonight and when we're uh, in New Orleans in another uh, month or so.
1: Uh, Likewise. Fair enough. Fair enough.
4: Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas.
3: Life is busy. You need health care that can keep up. Healthcare with peace of mind.
0: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer.
1: All right, final segment here of the Black and Blue Report on this Monday. Uh, John, real quick, let's touch upon the week's schedule upcoming here for the Saints. How is it adjusted with regard to not playing until Monday night football against the Lions.
2: Exactly. So there won't be uh, any media media access to the players until Thursday. So they're going to have a couple of days off, let their bodies recover a little bit. They get a long week. It's almost like a little bit of a mini break. And uh, hopefully some guys can get a little bit healthier uh, in terms of going into that Monday night game against Detroit. So, yeah, a, a little bit uh, of a lighter schedule. And then we're going to pick it up and, and sprint to next week because, you know, you go from a Monday night, Monday night game to um, to, a, to a Sunday game. And so it'll be a bit of a sprint uh, from that standpoint. But the uh, the good thing is the Saints will be home for that game, you know, back-to-back home games. So even though one is Monday night, the other one is Sunday, they won't have to leave here. And so, you know, condensing the schedule means a lot more when you don't have to travel. But, yeah, it'll be a longer schedule this week. No access till Thursday with the players uh, or with Coach Payton. After, after today, there'll be some conference calls today. And uh, then we'll, you know, we'll hit, it, hit it hard next week when they, uh, when they get ready to play Jacksonville here.
1: And no doubt about it. We'll talk more about the Lions as the week progresses. We do know one thing, though, John. The Saints in prime time at home are pretty salty.
2: Man, they like the lights here, and especially Drew Brees. Um, I, I, I could be mistaken here, but I, I don't think I am. He's won the uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week 20 times as a Saint. Uh, and I believe 11 of those occasions have come from a primetime game, uh, including earlier this season uh, against uh, Dallas, I believe it was. So, you know, this team likes the lights, man. They like playing at home in front of their people under the lights. They like the national TV audience. They like being the center of attention. They usually uh, perform to the level uh, of that. Um, even this year, uh, played Dallas in primetime, fine. Played Atlanta in primetime, fine. Uh, play Carolina in a primetime-like condition, you know, the afternoon game where they were the concentrate, you know, the game of the week on Fox and that kind of thing, and they were fine. They respond to those situations.
1: All right, we'll check that out. Hey, one thing I want to do before we get out of here, and I want to finish with Tim Hightower uh, after his performance yesterday. Set this, uh, this mini uh, interview up, if you don't mind, John, as, as to what happened after the game yesterday with, with Tim Hightower and the uh, Saints locker room and, and what we're going to hear here from him.
2: Well, one, you're going to hear a really grateful guy. Um, we, I noticed coming off the field when they were coming to the locker room, uh, first, you know, Tim kind of, you know, he was, he was extremely emotional. You know, he, he ran in the locker room and he caught himself, spun around, ran back out, and as each and every teammate and coach came in the locker room, he just, you know, he, he was, you know, shaking hands and giving hugs and those kinds of things. And, you know, I asked him about it, and you'll hear it in the interview, and he'll give you his reasoning why. But, you know, he's a guy who's just extremely thankful to be in the position he's in again. You know, 2011 to 2014, you know, 2011, 12, 13, 14, he didn't basically play. He played five games in 11, didn't play 12, didn't play 13, didn't play 14. He's back this year. He's extremely thankful to just be on a roster and be with, be with the type of organization he believes he's with in, in the Saints.
1: Here's running back Tim Hightower with Saints Digital yesterday following the win.
2: Well, first, congratulations. I'm just talking about the game on the workload. I know obviously Mark wasn't here, but did you expect that kind of workload and that kind of production? Uh, You know, I don't know what I expected. I just
5: made sure my body was ready, made sure I was hydrated. It was was pretty humid out there today. Um, I just made sure I was prepared. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I just wanted to make sure I was ready.
2: What did it mean to you for the team to go to you down the stretch that way to kind of close it out with a couple of big runs?
5: That's awesome. I mean, you can't ask for a better situation to be put in. Um, You train all season. You work hard, that, that's what you want. You know, if you're a competitor, you, you want the ball in your hand. You want the team to be counting on you in the most critical situations on the road. So, uh, you know, when he called my number those last couple drives, it just shows the, the confidence that he put on our old line and that he has in us. And, and you know, just being able to, to, to deliver when
2: you get that opportunity felt great. First time in the end zone for you since the 11th season. A
5: long, long time ago, man. <laughs> just a long awesome time ago. And,
2: and, and getting in there and finally breaking through.
5: You know what? Um, When this is all said and done, I'm I'm sure I'll stop and think about it and and really kind of appreciate what it feels like. Um, Man, it's been a long time, you know, and and, uh, it just goes to show, even with this team, you know, our coach talked last night and we've been working hard all year and it just hadn't went our way. Uh, But you keep fighting. You keep fighting. No matter what happens to you in life, you keep fighting. And that's what I did and that's what this team did. Uh, So to be able to be a part of this team and – to get a win here on the road in the division. Um, it just feels great. course says you got a game ball. When's the last time you got a game ball? Shh, I can't remember, man. I, <laughs> you make me feel like an old man, man. I, I'm not trying to think back that far, man. I, I'm just thankful for it and appreciative for it.
2: Um, what did you talk to, I saw you uh, pretty much greeting guys when they came in. What was your thought process when you, when you guys were coming into the locker room after the game postgame?
5: Man, I just was so excited and so proud of this yeah. team. Um, again, I mean, I, I've, been on, I've been on teams where you're at that mark and... You know, and, and, and it's easy for guys just to pack it in. It's easy for guys just to kinda hey, you know, my checks are still cashing, we got three games left, I don't wanna go into the off season hurt. And it's easy for guys to pack it in. Um but we didn't. You know, we, we didn't. Uh, defensively, offensively, special teams—we didn't. Every single man came to work every single week. No matter who went down, the next guy stepped up. We persevered, and, and I just—I felt that. My heart went out for every single one of these guys because I respect and love every single one of these guys in this locker room. And I just wanted to make sure I let them know that how much how appreciative I was of, of my teammates today.
1: All right, John, you were right. Great stuff. Great stuff. Great work yesterday too. Thanks for being with us here on this Monday, JD.
2: No problem. Uh, they made it, it gets a lot easier when you win, right? It's a heck of a lot easier when you win. So, you know, hopefully we can keep it going that way and and all of them will be, all of the rest of them, rest of them
1: will be as good down the stretch. No doubt. I'll have a victory donut here for you in Portland this morning. How about that? I appreciate that. I hope
2: it settles well with you and I hope, you know, it tastes as good as it sounds.
1: Pelicans and Blazers tonight, by the way, here from the Moda Center in the Rose City. We'll have it for you on the Pelicans Radio Network. It'll be a late night, 9 o'clock tip-off, and television coverage, of course, as well with Joel, David, and Jen and the gang on Fox Sports New Orleans. Our thanks to Bill Winnington today as well from the Chicago Bulls. J.D. will be with you all week long at neworleansaints.com and and your Saints mobile app. And, uh, J.D., I'll see you when we get back from the road trip, and uh, I'll see you Monday Night Football one week from today.
2: Well, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to you guys getting back with a successful road trip and they spin this thing around and get headed in the right direction.
1: Here, here. All right, that'll do it for us on this Monday. Hope you have a great rest of your Monday. And I uh, hope that you'll uh, follow us all week long on the road. And uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow, of course, with the Black and Blue Report. Daniel Sallerson will anchor our coverage from Studio B in New Orleans, or Metairie to be exact. And he'll have a mix of fantasy football tomorrow and, of course, probably a visit as well from Jim Eichenhofer covering the Pelicans here on the road for Pelicans.com. That'll do it for us. This is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans We'll see you next time right here. So long for just a while.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.